Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode 102 of the Reinventure Me Podcast. You always pay attention to what you say to yourself. So what say you about you? If your self-talk could use some help, this is your survival guide. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me Podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Reinventure Me podcast. Now I say hello, everyone, but it's really only you at the under end of the line. So, you know, this isn't broadcast. This is a podcast, and this is your show host, Larry Gates. Along with Armin Asadi. Armin, how are you? Good, man. How are you? I am well. And looking forward to this podcast today because we've got, I think, a lot of good stuff here. I certainly know there's a lot of catharsis that I'm going to have to do in my own head here about (laughs) some of my own thinking. But this is the podcast for what's next in life. That might be any number of ventures and opportunities God might have called you into. Maybe you're in the discovery phase of that. And uh, maybe you're just seeing where that might lead you. And maybe you are in a very intentional overhaul. In any case, we want to make these episodes very helpful for you in a whole variety of ways. And one of the ways that we're going to do that today is really talk about all the dialogue that goes on inside of our heads. You'll find the episode notes here at reinventure.me slash 102. And we like to lead off with a little bit of an inspire me. I think this is right down the alley for what we're talking about today, yes, right? Yes, it I mean? is. This is uh, from Soren Kierkegaard, someone we've used uh, a couple of times in the past, but this time he said, our life always expresses the result of our dominant thoughts. So I'll say that one more time. Our life always expresses the result of our dominant thoughts, which is very, very true, mm. unfortunately. It reminds me of that <laughs> saying that you're you're experiencing precisely what the system you have is designed to produce. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like a broken computer. <laughs> <laughs> can explain a lot. <laughs> it certainly can explain Sounds a lot. Right. You know, one of the things that I pondered about is just how much gunk is inside of my head that I'm so glad that other people are not exposed to. Oh, geez. Could you imagine? <laughs> Everybody no, knew. that's what I, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, there's you know, a lot if, of junk. You know, we can look at the world and we can look at people and we can draw some conclusions about them. You know, you can say, mm. hey, that person looks really well together, or that person's kind of, you know, looks a little like they need some help. And yet, if you look at the inside, if you're able to look at the inside of everybody in terms of the way in which they think, most of us would look pretty awful, I think. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely, uh, everyone I know has. It's funny, I, I think it's actually the most successful people that have the worst self-talk. You know, like what goes inside their head about themselves. Yeah, but see, the thing is, is that's the great mystery. I don't think I do know. I only know what goes on inside of my head, and yeah. I, most of the time it isn't pretty. But we're going to talk about that in today's show. 
And you might find that you have some self-talk that you're not very proud of. <laughs> I've had a lot of that. Yep. And you might find you're just wondering, how do I, how do I get rid of some of that? Because I seem to be my own worst enemy. Yeah. Like Pogo said, you know, we've met the enemy and he is us, you know, <laughs> right. and that might be true in many cases. That's the case. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And we do invite you to engage in this dialogue with us at the show notes, reinventure.me slash one Oh two. You can leave some comments there. And of course we'd love to hear from you about it, but you know, here's the thing where well, let's just start off with a basic principle here. And that is we believe what we tell ourselves right. and the lead into the show was you always pay attention to what you say to yourself and you may not be aware of it. You may find that your belief system has emerged with input from other people, but ultimately it's what you reinforce and say to yourself and the belief system that you have for yourself that causes you to affect that and you reinforce it. And this is just simple brain science, you know, because our brain is always working and most of the time it's wandering you know, sure. when, yeah. when we're, when we're focused on something, when we're paying attention and we're really concentrating on something, it operates in a different part of our brain than what is in basically neutral or whenever we're just hanging out like you and I right now, I mean, yeah. we're, we're not really highly concentrating on some, we're having an interaction, right? Sure. Yeah. And so there's a lot of thoughts that are going inside of our heads, even as we're talking right now, you know, the words that I'm coming out, they sound stupid, you know, <laughs> and there's all kinds of things that go on every time we engage in something and we are self-appraising. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes what happens is we end up having this internal dialogue like, well, what do I have to do next? You know, you ever get. <laughs> Does that happen to you yeah, a lot, right? Every second. I right. Yeah. So we're always thinking about what we got to do next, or maybe what I should have said, or I find myself sometimes when I just laugh out loud, I just chuckle. Yeah. I realize that I was thinking about something I wasn't aware that I was thinking about. But it was like I chuckle at myself because I maybe should have said something differently. <laughs> and I'm like beating myself up, right? Yeah. With that negative self-talk. Yeah, and and I've done it subconsciously. And then I become aware of it and I actually laugh out loud, you know, or I shame myself in some way and go, what are you idiot? You know, I'll even, I'll even say that out loud. You ever do that? Oh, of course. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm the so champion this, of that. So this is what we're happening, what we're talking about. And all this activity happens in the medial prefrontal cortex of the brain. And the more you think about this stuff, it's always ruminating. You know, you're always yeah. thinking about, oh, should I handle that differently? Or I've got this thing to do or, you know, whatever. All that stuff starts to create this low level anxiety. Yeah. It's just there. It's like, you know, you're hanging out, always ready to just kind of go off. Yeah. And in some ways looking for another triggering event that might be similar to what you just did. And then you end up going, ah, I just did it again, yeah. which then reinforces a self-perception and negative talk that comes to play there. And it starts to layer, it, you know, and it gets heavier and heavier. And then we form self-perceptions right. and then they become limiting beliefs. And then they become limiting behaviors. And they become limiting behaviors. That create very limiting results. Exactly. <laughs> you know, every commitment we make to another person or even to ourselves, our brain remembers that. It doesn't ever forget that, mm. right? So whenever we don't come through with something like, for instance, this is a great time of year, right? Because we might be at the cusp of totally abandoning our New Year's resolutions right now, right? Yeah, if we haven't already. <laughs> if we haven't already. <laughs> and now our brain knows that. Yeah. And the more we don't pursue the things that we set out for intentions and we don't complete them, the more we start to distrust ourselves. Right. And that becomes 
the petri dish for negative self-talk right and where we just say i there's no way i can do that now this happens all the time mm-hmm. now it's kind of Im- impossible to measure but some researchers have estimated that we say or talk to ourselves an average of about 50,000 times a day and i'm not aware of all that i think right. different people vary in that yeah uh, like my wife anna she is very conscious of her internal dialogue. Hmm, interesting. I'm largely not. Right. How about you, Armin? Are you? Well, I'm an extrovert, so I'm not. You're not at all. until I say <laughs> until it. Until you I, say it, you don't know what you're yeah, thinking. I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. And maybe it isn't until like, or you know, unless I emotionally express it, then I'll know what I've been thinking. Yeah. So if I'm if I'm angry and I have no idea why, I realize ten minutes later, oh, that's probably because I was thinking this terribly negative thing about myself ten minutes ago. Yeah. Right. Right. So. And maybe it is an introvert extrovert thing. I hadn't thought about that until you just said that because you're an extrovert naturally. You don't think about what you're thinking about. I'd be interested <laughs> to hear from other people. But I do remember talking to Anna about this one time. It was like, she asked, what, you, what am I thinking about? And I said, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk and I'll tell you what I'm thinking. Yeah, start asking me some questions. And, and she, like, she was puzzled because it's like, how do you not know what you're thinking about? And I was right? like, I, I, told, I told her, I said, how is it that you always know what you're thinking about? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that like drive you crazy? And, you know, get it. You know, just to always have voices going on inside your head. To me, that would be that would be a killer. I've, at least I've got this quiet time where the one brain cell I have is right. is asleep. And at least we have a nothing box apparently that women don't have. So well, maybe thank so. God for that. Hey, maybe well. it's a guy girl thing. I don't know. But <laughs> in any case, I'm guessing that some of you are out there are very conscious about what you're thinking about, and some aren't. And you may not even know the ways in which you're trash talking yourself yeah. and you're not even aware of it. But researchers have speculated that about 80% of our internal dialogue is negative. God, it's crazy. Which I mean, especially if you think about what psychologists say is uh, for everything negative that's spoken to you, whether it comes from yourself or from someone else, it usually takes several times more positive words to be spoken over you for there to even be a balance right. in your identity. Right. It's, right. I think it's like 10 to 1. Yeah. So to think that 80% of our self-talk is negative, ah, it's just like digging yourself out of a hole. <laughs> I, I, I read that the other way. I thought, wow, 20% of my self-talk is positive. Yeah, there's a hope. Because <laughs> <laughs> it seems like there are times when it's when I'm not even sure there's 20% there. You know? <laughs> That's so true. I don't know what I think of that. I think some of it, too, is is how how driven are we, you know, and how how much do we have certain aspirations, ambitions, and such that we really want to go after. And, yeah. And some people are much more satisfied. They're not as driven by what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. So they might be more inclined to have negative self-talk if they're finding that they're not able to make all the commitments that they want to make. I've mentioned yeah. to a friend of mine, he was asking how I was doing. I was trying to be very authentic and I was trying to use a metaphor. I said, well, if, if I were in a two inch puddle, I'd probably be drowning. <laughs> <laughs> Lift your nose. Larry. And he says, he, he, said, he says, that sounds like you, my friend, you're very hard on yourself. Yes. And, and I think I am, you know, so, but here's the thing, whatever that number is, and there, I don't think there's really any way to measure it. You know, I think maybe right. the 80% thing is more for shock value. But I, but I do think that the preponderance, at least as I've been able to measure, and largely through my journaling habit, measure my own self-dialogue and self-talk, I found that more than half of it is negative. Right. And, and that represents a real challenge. And I think that represents a real opportunity for, for growth, if you think about it that way. 
Yeah. I mean, imagine what you accomplish when when most of your self-talk is actually negative. Yeah. What might happen if that were just switched in the opposite direction? Mm. And so we're going to talk about some of those uh, strategies because here's the problem. What we believe in gets reinforced by repetition. And when we engage in negative self-talk all the time, we are engaging and, and basically myelinating a thought process, which makes it easier for us to have that same thought the next time. And that's what happens in the brain. We start myelinating these thought processes and pretty soon we become unaware of our assumptions and beliefs. And we then are seeking to see the circumstances out in the world and how they reinforce those beliefs. And it creates distortion for us. Right. We might have a perception of ourselves like, you know, nobody likes me. Yeah. And somebody may not return an email or a phone call. And we believe that that is because they don't like you. Right. We may not take into account the fact that maybe they're in a crisis or maybe they're on vacation or maybe they're gone or whatever, or but the fact that they do. didn't, <laughs> yeah, that they, there's something else they're doing. It has nothing to do with you. Sure. Yeah. But we all assess the world and how it uh, responds to us. And we draw some conclusions in large part based on the belief system we have about ourselves. Right. Our belief systems basically give us the lens that we see the world through. So whether it's negative or positive, anything that we interact with, we either have a negative assumption of it or a positive assumption of it. So even if the interaction is positive from the other person, you might think it's negative just because of what you're looking for. Exactly. That's that selective perception mm -hmm. that we are looking to reinforce the beliefs that we have. It's harder for us to challenge beliefs that we don't hold yet. And so the idea here is that we want to, we unconsciously are looking at things that fit right. our perception yeah, and we don't see the things that don't fit our perception. And so when we see the things that fit our perception, like oh, they're not returning my email or my phone call, it reinforces that view. Right. Yeah, I'm not loved. I'm exactly. Not yeah. And then the weird thing, it, we were just talking about this earlier, the self-fulfilling prophecy thing. Yes. It's just whatever, whatever you believe about yourself, whether you're being honest with yourself or not, you're basically doing or creating the life, the reality based on those truths that you're believing about yourself. And whatever it is that you're believing about yourself to be true, you're basically creating the trajectory of your future because you've convinced yourself of something and whatever you've convinced of yourself of, that's all you see, that's all you feel, that's all you hear, that's all you interact with because you've convinced yourself this is reality. You're re literally creating your own reality based on whatever truth, quote-unquote truth, you've decided to believe. Yeah, and I think Soren Kierkegaard would say, our life always expresses the results of our dominant thoughts. Right, right? exactly. Our, our inspiring. Yes, exactly. This is exactly what you're talking about, right? Yep, yep. And so, you know, I think a lot of this really just comes down to denial. And denial takes on kind of four levels. And when we're not telling ourselves the truth, when we're engaging in self-talk that is is destructive. It's usually one of these levels of denial, right? Okay. So level one is we discount the existence of a problem, for instance, right? Okay. So we basically say, well, that's not an issue, right? That's not really a problem. Right. That's level one of denial. Level two is that we discount the severity of the problem. It's not such a big deal, right? And level three is we discount the solvability of the problem. So like you can't fight city hall. That's just you know, you heard that. Sure. It's like, that can't be done. Yeah. And then level four would be you discount your ability to solve the problem. 
So there is nothing I can do about that. Hmm. So let's take this as an example, right? So okay. your wife, Ashley, she says to you, Armin, hey, I want to spend more time having fun with you. And you might respond if you're level one, discounting the existence of the problem. The problem being she wants more time with you, sure. right? Yeah. You might say, ah, we spend lots of time together and we have enough fun. Yeah. Okay. I saw you last month. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that works, right? <laughs> level two might be, okay, well then if you want fun, I'll just tell you a joke once or twice a week. So, I mean, you're discounting the severity of it. You're sure. making light of it. It's not as important, right. right? Level three, where you're discounting the solvability of the problem, you might say, you know, most couples have difficulty finding enough time to have yeah. some fun together, right? Yeah. And so you're really saying that that's everybody's got that. We're no yeah. different than anybody else. Live with it. Live with it. <laughs> and then level level four is when you're discounting your ability to solve the problem, you might say, hey, I'm really swamped for the rest of the month. I can't possibly. Yeah, there's nothing spend. I can do. Yeah, it's, it's not possible. <laughs> and that kind of framing, when we're in that kind of denial, whatever that level is, it contributes to how we think about ourselves because it limits that last one, especially when you yeah. say, I can't do something, you discount your ability to do it, Yeah, that's negative self-talk, right? right? Yeah. And the other is a negative self-talk as well. It's not destructive in the sense that you're not beating up on yourself, but it's limiting in the sense that your perception of the world is not right. Mm. It's not aligned with truth. Yeah. And so when we talk about self-talk here, it isn't just abusive language that we're talking about. Like, I'm an idiot. You know, how many times do you say that to yourself? I'm so uh, stupid. Five, you know, six, I'm, seven, yeah. eight, nine. Yeah, and I've had day. all of that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I hate that. Yeah. I had one instance, I think, you know, I may have maybe have talked about this, where I was I was working on a, a draft of uh, a book that I was working on, and all the negative self-talk started coming in here. Nobody's going to read this. This is a pile of crap. Nobody, yeah. you know who do you think you are to write this stuff? And it was just, blah, 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 blah. Finally, my head just exploded and I just pushed away. I said, forget Screw it. This. Screw it. <laughs> I'm done. You know? Well, yeah, I did what any reasonable person would do. I went out and got some ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't get drugs or alcohol. No, so I, didn't, good. I didn't do My drug of choice is ice cream. <laughs> At least we have that in common. Yeah, 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 exactly. But so when we talk about self-talk, we have to be careful that it isn't just the abusive stuff that I was just mm -hmm. engaging in, where sure. everything is basically name-calling. Yeah. And we get a lot of that. I've had a lot of that, right? And one of the biggest ways I've been, been able to become aware of that is through my daily journaling. Mm. I mean, I hate to admit this, but there are journal entries that I am scared to go back and reread because I... <laughs> I was brutal. Oh, no. I mean, absolutely brutal. <laughs> I would not say those things to any person on this planet. And yet, for some reason, I feel totally free say to, it to, to say it to myself. Yeah. Why is that? It's almost, it's like a, I, I, I think sometimes I call it self hate. Um, at least when I think about it in context. Loathing. Yeah, or something like that, right? <laughs> It's like, I, I think you eventually just believe these lies about yourself so much that you just begin to hate yourself based on lies, not truth. Mm -hmm. You can only say those things to someone you hate. Well, exactly. When you look at it, there's, there's so much venom there. It happens understandably because it's back to you don't trust yourself. Absolutely, yeah. You know, you, you set some objectives. You, your brain has said, okay, I'm going to believe you this time. You don't come through again. And you're back at it again, and you yep. just go, you are a pile of parrot droppings. 
Yes. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to go there. Well, I'm just, I'm just quoting Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> Inspector Clouseau. And so when I discovered all that, you know, and really it, that whole shame episode that we did was yeah. a big part of oh, breaking, yeah, yeah. breaking the chain on that. But many times that stuff happens, you're not aware of it. And in fact, I talked to a friend of mine about journaling and what I was learning from journaling. And, and she said to me, I mean, she says, I can't do that. And I said, well, why not? Because I mean, it, it's not like a skill thing. It wasn't yeah. a skill thing for her. She says, I go so fast into this negative space mm. that I, I don't feel good about myself. Mm. And I, I got that because I was there and you know, going through all that gunk. And for me, it was like, I need to lean into the thing that I'm fearful about. Yeah. And so that's why it was so helpful to go through it, but it's not fun to do. <laughs> There's nothing no. fun about having all that toxins come out sure, about yeah. how you end up thinking about yourself. I shared with one friend one time, some of the thoughts that I had about myself are mean. And he just stared at me and he said, I had no idea. Hmm. You know, cause you don't project that on the outside. I don't think most people would think that all this <laughs> Stuff I tell myself is got good acting skills. <laughs> you know, I'm all right. <laughs> I keep a pretty positive face about things, but right. inside I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah. Which is funny because I, I get raw honest with you, and then I get around some of the other people and they make some comments where I just think, if you were just there a few days ago when I was talking to Larry, you wouldn't say what you just said to me because it was a very positive statement. <laughs> That's not at all what I think of myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> we did say this was going to be a survival guide, so we're not just wanting to bring awareness to all of the stuff that you already know. I mean, we yeah. all know that negative self-talk is destructive, but I think one of the things that I wanted to be sure that our listeners thought about was that it's not just the name calling. It's any, any time we allow ourselves to see a distorted view of reality. In some ways, we can't help it because we can't see reality purely for what it is. We're always going to be distorted a little bit by our experiences, but, but when we engage in one of those forms of denial, it's another way of reinforcing self-talk that isn't truthful, and it really is limiting where we might want to take our next great opportunities. So, you know, the Bible talks, I mean, about taking our thoughts captive, and such a powerful concept for us, and the power of that is because we can take our thoughts captive. We're not automatons, although we might engage in habits and habits of belief that have been perpetuated over our experiences, we have the ability to change. Hmm. We do. I think, how do I say this? I think for someone like me who has a lot of negative self-talk or very self-destructive talk, I should say, is it's hard to believe that. Mm-hmm that I, I can change, right? That's why I say it's a powerful concept because we often don't give the time to rethink how we rewire yep. our thinking. Yeah, and one of the things I've realized about that is I'm actually right quite often about that, that I can't, That, but, but I think what I'm right about is I can't by myself, right? It, by mm -hmm. myself, I can't change anything, but... I, I'm going to get into this whole other thing about the power of the relationships that you have in your life, but there's a lot of people that can help you get out of it, mm -hmm. you know, and depending on who you're surrounded by. And I think that's always been my biggest challenge is anytime I do it by myself, I honestly can't change it. 
Well, that's the next part of it, right? It's that first of all, we've got to re- realize that we have the ability to change. We're volitional, so we can change our thought processes, but we need an outside perspective right. to help us with that because our view, our lens of the world is only what we have that's been patterned after our own experiences. Right. So we need other people to challenge our assumptions. We need to surround ourselves with good truth intake that we take through what we read and how we engage with other people who are healthier in our thinking, in their thinking than we might be. Yeah. And that is how we gain different perspectives. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's those people around you that so often help you get out of those funks when you can't on your own. You can't will yourself out of situations like that. You know, when it gets really, really bad, not like you're, Every day, like, oh, I screwed up. Yeah. But, like, when you get into the funk. Oh, you get into the funk. Is That's that's a whole different topic, yeah, right? That's, that's that, just... And, and that can be because you've kept piling on for so long, right. you're just crushed under the weight of all right. the times you've jumped on yourself. You right. Know? But even in the more benign, everyday kind of, oh, I'm stupid, I'm an idiot, or whatever, right? Yeah. Just, yeah, I've got this negative, debilitating talk going on. There's some strategies that you can employ to get through that. And I like... What Daniel Pink pointed out in his book, To Sell as Human, he suggests that instead of making statements hmm. uh, that we make to ourselves, which, you know, we have declarative statements. When we talk about negative self-talk, we hardly ever ask ourselves a question. We're making statements. Hmm. Like, you're an idiot. Right. You know, we don't normally say, do you think that was idiotic or was that wise? You know, we don't normally engage in that. We just make a declarative, you're an idiot. Right. <laughs> right. Where I go, yeah. 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 And what he's saying is move from a declarative self-talk into an inquisitive or an interrogative way to do that. So, for example, you know, the negative declarative self-talk would say, I can't do this. Mm. You know, I just, I can't do this. I'm, yeah. I'm dumb or I don't have the energy or I don't have whatever. That, that's the declarative negative self-talk. Now, you could make a positive version of that, which is, I'm the best. I can do this. I can make this happen. This is no problem. I, you know, you can do this, pump yourself up with, I got this, yeah. you know, that's declarative as well. Yeah. Now researchers have shown in looking at this, that neither the negative or the positive declarative is very helpful. In fact, you'd think that you might get some mileage with that pump. Yep. Yeah, I can do this. And we like to inspire people by that, right? We say, you can do this, right? right? But what ends up happening is you activate a different part of the brain when you ask a question, Hmm. because then you get your brain to start solving how you would do it. Hmm. And when you start solving how you would do it, you get more confidence that you can do it. It's not just a, a fait accompli, you can do it or you can't do it, sure. but it's a, how do you do it? Yeah. It, which makes it much more powerful. It starts to shift the emotions from one part of your brain to another part of your brain. And it actually ties in to what your intrinsic motivation is. Yeah. And so when you tie into your intrinsic motivation in that way, by asking a question saying, how can I do this? And just not say, how can I do this in the same way as I can't do it? That would be a declarative way of saying, how can I do this? Mm -hmm. But if you actually ask the question, how can I make this happen? Then you open up to the possibilities and your brain starts to work differently than if you just made a declaration. Mm. So it's a powerful strategy for overcoming negative self-talk when you think, you know, something you're up against a challenge and you're, you're basically berating your ability to do it. You know, I can't do this. I've never been able to do this before. This will be the like, like the seventh time I've tried this. 
that's all declarative mm -hmm. negative talk. But if you say, now I've done this seven times before, clearly I've learned some things from those things. <laughs> what are some of the skills that I can apply to make this more successful? Hmm. Now that becomes an inquisitive way to ask. Right. I love that. One of the most successful therapies or forms of therapies that psychologists are using today is this method called EMDR. Have you heard of it? Mm -hmm. You have? Mm -hmm. So if you're listening and you, have, you don't know what EMDR is, I don't actually know what it stands for, so I'm not even going to attempt it. But um, it's basically where they either put vibrating paddles in your hand or they put flashing lights on each side of your face or they use their fingers moving left and right. But basically what they do is... They find something that seems to be a root cause to a trauma or a issue that you may have. And then the paddles start vibrating left and right or the lights start flashing left and right. And as they process it with you, what they do is they force your brain to start using both sides of your brain to actually mm -hmm. process something. Mm -hmm. Because what happens a lot of times when you have trauma, your brain gets hardwired. Right. So that you only think and respond to certain things with one singular way. Right. You suck. You and, failure. and this, cr this creates an integration between both sides of the brain. Right. Yeah. And so what I really like about what you're saying is basically this self-imposed method of EMDR without actually oh, having yeah. to use, I hadn't thought about that, you know, without having to use lights or fingers <laughs> yeah, yeah. or vibrating paddles, you're just basically turning statements into questions, but you're forcing your brain to process it on both sides of the brain, which actually raises your emotional intelligence, which yeah. is really brilliant. I yeah, love that. It's good. Now, I couldn't remember what EMDR was either. So while you were you talking about that, I did. <laughs> and there's a good reason we can't remember it. Eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. Totally I, knew that. To <laughs> I was just trying to test you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's totally a user-friendly name for it. Cognitive technique, right? Yeah. Obviously, the academics <laughs> came up with that one. <laughs> well, so that's what you can do. You can get your brain to start thinking about possibilities. Now, this is key. That's one half of the equation to repattern how you think. Yeah. The next part is to take action. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to say, all right, this is, I'm going to act on the belief now that I've formed. I've got some possibilities and how I'm going to do it. And now I've got to believe that it can be done. Yeah. And I'm going to start taking action. And it's the old fake it until you make it. Yeah. You know? It's ironic that it works. It it, it does. Yeah. But it reinforces because what you're doing is you're reinforcing by the behavior, the belief that you have, you're repatterning how you think. Mm -hmm. Now, I know some people would maybe go to the, well, you know, if you're if you're acting in a way that is inconsistent with what you believe in order to change what you believe, aren't you really just being hypocritical because you don't believe it. You're just right. acting in a way that's hypocritical. Right? right. And I like what Larry Crabb says about this because he, I think he puts it out there in a brilliant way. He okay, says, you, say? you can't not be hypocritical. Huh? Right on. You're going to either be hypocritical to your feelings, mm. which is what they're talking about here or to your purposes. Wow. So if you're always trying to do what you might feel is right, even though it's it, you know, your negative self-talk is telling you, you know, it can't be done. And if you're always going to just believe that, hmm. then you might be not hypocritical to your feeling about it. Yeah, it can't be done, yeah. so I'm not going to do anything, or I'm going to you know, act as if I can't win or, or make it accomplished. Or you can be hypocritical to your purpose, hmm. and you can say, it's, it's, my, it's my purpose that I want to pursue, so in pursuing my purpose, I'm going to be hypocritical to my feelings. I think I may have said it backwards a minute ago. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, in pursuing our purpose, we may be hypocritical to how we feel about something because our feelings haven't caught up yet 
with what our purposes are. Hmm. And so we need to pull that along and acting it out helps us repattern and reshape how we believe something. Hmm. It's so interesting that we're covering this topic because I, I didn't even tell you yet just because I was like, man, I got to get further along with this thing before I involve Larry and embarrass myself. But uh, my friend and I, we've been working on releasing the first blog prior to me releasing my book because I haven't even written it yet. But it's all about this concept of belief. And we've been working in the last week to try to release the first blog and we just keep deleting, re-editing, revising. And sure. It just sucks because I'm just like, oh, I hate this process. I'm so, and it's like, I, 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 so I basically realized the only way this blog is going to work is if I just invite people on my journey of disbelief before yeah. I write this right. book on belief. Because exactly. I spend more time disbelieving in myself than I do believing in myself. Yeah. It's great. And that's going to be good input for our show. We want to do a show on vulnerability, and that'll yeah. be a good good example of that. Right? <laughs> oh, God. It's like, Put it right out there. Oh, man. It's like so standing naked. For our show on vulnerability, we're going to have our mean talk about all of his negative <laughs> self-talk. Everybody will be sad by the time we're done. <laughs> and we probably should jump into a challenge me for this episode. Yeah. What were you thinking? Well, I think one of the ways in which you might think about the next big challenge that might threaten to undo you, you know, the thing that when you are confronted with something that needs to get done and all of the energy inside of your head starts to tell you all the reasons you can't get it done, when you have that challenge that's threatening to undo you, then follow the suggestions from Dan Pink and turn it not into an I can't do this or conversely, I can do this, but here's how I'm going to do this. Yeah. Make it an inquisitive. How can I make this happen? And list five ways perhaps that you can, you can do that and see how that works for you. Yeah. I love that. Kara Dweck said, add yet to your negative. That's exactly right. Right. So yes. if you say, oh, I can't do this. Yet. She said, change that mindset to just by adding one simple word that says, that says yet. I just can't do this uh, yeah. yet. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And here's how I'm going to do that. And that's, I guess, Dan Pink's contribution right. is to say, get your brain thinking about how you're going to do it. Solve it. Don't yeah, identify the exactly. problem. Just solve the problem. I think that's great. Carol Dweck saying it's all process. It's not in state. Yeah. That's what declarative is. Declarative is always in state. You're, yeah. you're a schmuck. And you're always going to be a schmuck. <laughs> I love that your voice changed when you said that. <laughs> that was my Jewish schmuck. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> All right. We are out of time for this episode. But before we go, Armin, I want to give a shout out to POS Workspace. I have no idea what that stands for. But um, point of sale, a point of sale workspace. All right, good. <laughs> I'm making that up. I have no idea. <laughs> I hope that's what that is. <laughs> uh, another acronym came to mind. I love <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Sorry. I just got it. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> now my head is hurting. And I hope that they take this uh, shout out in the, in the way I mean it in love because this is what they wrote. I love the chemistry between Larry and I mean, very real conversations, great humor and inspiring. And POS Workspace, thank you for leaving that review on iTunes. And I don't mean to have humor at your expense, but I just think what you wrote is tremendous. And it certainly it was encouraging to me that you did that. If any of you want to encourage us with similar reviews on iTunes, would love for you to do that. Very simply, go to reinventure.me slash iTunes. 
do a ratings and write a very short review and we'll read it on the show and just thank you immensely for it. Leave a question or comment. Like I said, we want to get your feedback on this episode. Was it helpful to you? In what ways do you engage in self-talk that might be destructive? And what are some of the tips that you have as well for other listeners? Reinventure.me slash 102 or call our show line at 612-314-5447. Well, this is Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. And we're saying so long. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. 